0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Hawk Talk podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinman Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network.
1: With us on the line, is the voice of the Arkansas Rager back.
0: A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn,
1: highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show SUI winner and a former <laughs> heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spank.
0: And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr.
1: Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks.
0: Razorback Nation, thank you for tuning in to episode number 120 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, and for our Friday show, Porter Hayes and Kevin Bohannon are going to be talking with ESPN senior writer and author of the soon-to-be released book, Sidelines to Bloodlines, Ryan McGee. I'm sure you know him from the SEC Network, but he was also featured in the 40 Minutes of Hell documentary featuring Nolan Richardson's Razorback teams. Before we get into the interview, I want to remind you guys that the Hog Talk podcast is brought to you by BetOnline. The wait is finally over, football is back, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's also an online casino as well, and it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the episode 120 of the Hog Talk podcast. I'm your host tonight, Porter Hayes,
2: and alongside me tonight is Kevin Bohannon. Kevin, man, how's it going? Man, football is in the air. We've got a great guest on the night. NFL's kicking off, high school's going, college is getting rolling, so it's a great time to be a, a football fan. Oh, I know, it's finally kicking off, and for so long, we've been thirsty for,
1: I mean, sports, you know, we've watched everything from curling to the TBT tournament to <laughs> the, the Ocho, wo- Yeah, <laughs> all of it, so, but tonight, yes, we have a very special guest for you. You can see him all over ESPN, especially on Saturday mornings, my favorite show with Marty and McGee. Mr. Ryan McGee is on with us tonight. Ryan, how are you doing?
3: I'm good. You, you're my new best friend. So if you said right. that's your favorite show on Saturday morning, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. that's, that's uh, good, uh, we're, the, we're the official show of dads getting donuts is what we always that's say. Right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and we, we've been that way ever since they moved to Saturday morning, so we'll take it.
1: Well, I have a, I, I work for a, a satellite company, and I have to work every Saturday, so I leave about 6.30, 7 o'clock every morning. So. Perfect. But the downfall is it when – college football season kicks off, I lose y'all. So it's kind of a bummer at the same time.
3: Yeah, well, I think this year might be a little different. We're, we're um, I think we're, we're going to be on on Saturday. We're, we're already on uh, – we've already been on a couple more Saturday mornings than we normally would be. Normally, by Labor Day weekend, we're done. You know, we, we start – we move Marty McGee to Wednesday nights. But this year, I think we're going to stick on Saturday mornings for at least a little while longer. and uh, And then the Wednesday night TV show – on SEC Network will start uh, right before the SEC kicks off. So September 23rd. That's good news. That break, yeah. Breaking news. That's yeah. we awesome. Breaking news. Yeah, well, the yeah, let's uh, dive we this live studio.
1: How hard was that transition when everything shut down and y'all were kind of forced to go into your homes and do this? And and uh, yeah, us guys we do things on a podcast on iPads and phones, but when you're really having to do a nationwide espn show how hard was that transition to go from a studio to now you're in your homes trying to really trying to coordinate with somebody that you can't see like when you're in studio
3: yeah you know it wasn't that bad because it's how we did the show when we were just on the radio before you know we we got our big brand new wilderness live studio uh back in 2019 and and we we uh honestly, we kind of, or back in 2018, and we uh, we were doing the, we just did radio. We stood on Saturday afternoons, like at three o'clock, and we have these magic Comrex boxes like everybody does, and we could do it from anywhere. So Marty, you know, and we traveled so much, particularly back when we were both covering NASCAR, Marty would be in a hotel room in Michigan, and I'd be in a hotel room in Florida, and we would just do the radio shows. And so we kind of fell back to the way we used to do it. But yeah, it was weird, man. I will say this over the summer. I did that. I did the radio show that they simulcast on SEC network. It was just, it, was just, it looked like the Step Brothers movie poster. <laughs> I, standing there. But I, I did the show from my basement. I did it from my front porch. I did it from uh, a garage in Boone, North Carolina. I did it from a beach house. I did it from sitting in my truck a couple times uh, parked underneath somewhere where we were. And so, yeah, it was nice a couple weekends ago to get back in the building and back in the studio. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed not wearing pants while I was doing the show. But now <laughs> it's nice to put on some pants and actually, like, sit in the studio. There you yeah, go.
1: And, and and that's the thing. And you, you kind of lost the treasure. I, you know, Christine Lisi was one of the oh. ones that really got us connected in, in, in to get this interview going. And she gave me some, some info because, you know, later on in the show I, I'll, I'll have, give the shout out to, the, to my local high school team on so a goodie bag I got coming your way. But yeah, Christine left and she's on, she, she moved up to the she's a big deal. Levertard show.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, so Christine and I have been friends. I started at ESPN as a production assistant right out of college 25 years ago. And Christine started right after me. And so we, our, our apartments were around the corner from each other when we were both right out of college. starting at ESPN so I've known Christine my basically my entire adult life and so it was the greatest thing it was my idea we were like you know we we got a little we got a little criticized by the bosses because we would go sometimes for two hours without talking about sports at all and I was like all right well I think I can I got somebody who can get us to talk about sports Christine is doing our sports center updates so we started bringing Christine in and eventually we got her to where she wasn't talking about sports. <laughs> so we so we won her over. But, yeah, I keep telling Levitard and those guys, they owe us because, uh, uh, you know, I'm so happy for her, but I'm sad for us because we don't have her on our show anymore.
1: Yeah, definitely. Man, one, her, her baking tips. I mean, she yeah. could write ten cookbooks, and, and her laugh is contagious. And the thing is, and I wanted to kind of really touch on what you said about not talking about sports because so many people – complain about it, but for and this is just me, you know, I I work out of my van. I'm traveling all the time. You know, and you listen to sports radio all throughout the day. And and it's like when you got shows like yours and Levitard and then we got, you know, our buddy Zach Oran has got the Ruskin and Zach Show here in Arkansas. You know, you mix it up and you make it not about sports. And it don't make it, it makes it watered down when you have 20 different people with the same opinions and are talking about the same subject. So Yep. For y'all to really mix it up. And it's almost like I am – we're talking on the front porch every weekend when I turn on y'all's show.
3: Well, that's what we're going for. And, le- and listen, more than anything else, Marty, Smith, and I are friends. And we've been friends for 20 years. And so the chance to just get to just talk about whatever – and we don't prepare at all, and that you can probably tell sometimes. But we just kind of roll with it. And, and it's, we don't talk a lot during the week on purpose. We, we do some – but we never see each other, and that's on purpose because we want to, when we finally see each other and talk, to talk about all the stuff, we can catch up on what's going on. So I appreciate you saying that. That's what, that's what we're going for. And, and you're right. Listen, uh, I have so many friends who are so smart and so talented work on so many different radio shows, but the goal is to for everyone to sound a little different and to, for everyone to sound unique. And I think we uh, ho- hopefully, knock on wood, we do that and uh and people seem to be enjoying it i tell you the funniest thing is so when the when everything was shut down in march and everybody's having their conference calls like all right what what are we going to do going forward no matter what your business is and espn radio had this big conference call and they want to talk to all of us about all right listen there's not going to be any sports for the foreseeable future so we're going to have to get really creative and find some other things to talk about and then there was this pause and everybody's on the call right i mean the Golics and you know, everybody, and, and there's this pause, and I go, Well, hell, y'all, Marty McGee, we've been training for this our whole careers. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it, like, it finally came around to us.
1: Yep. That's right. And what y'all been getting in trouble for now, they're wanting right. to run with
2: it. That's right. <laughs> so, that's that's right. Setting the bar. <laughs> oh, well, let's talk a little bit about, and you've come a long way from being a PA 25 years ago out of the University of Tennessee. Uh, You have a new book coming out. Let's talk a little bit about it, when it drops, how you can find it. And uh, what number book is this for you?
3: This is uh, number four. Number four. Yeah, and and this is the the one I've always wanted to write. It's called Sidelines and Bloodlines, uh, A Father, His Sons, and Our Life in College Football. And I co-wrote this with my brother, Sam, who's an attorney here in Charlotte where I live. I went to Yale Law School. I'm not sure what happened to me. Uh, and then my, my, my father, uh, Dr. Jerry McGee, uh, who was a university president, also don't know what happened to me there. And, but dad was a college football official uh, at Division what we used to call Division One, the, the yeah. FBS level, uh, from 1982 until he retired. His last game was the BCS National Championship game in 2009. So that was uh, Tebow in Florida versus Sam Bradford in Oklahoma. And, you know, 404 games, a couple Rose Bowls, uh, had Arkansas in the Cotton Bowl in 2008. Um, had, our, had Arkansas in a couple of, <laughs> of regular season games. But, but, but he uh, worked, worked, worked four national championships, a couple Army-Navy games. Uh, I mean, Georgia, Georgia Tech, five Clemson-South Carolina games. I mean, every game you could think of, Dad worked. And he was in the ACC and the Big East and back in the ACC. And he loved being in the ACC because they travel all the time. And so, you know, as you guys know, the Viston team these days brings the officials. Right. So dad got to – everybody says, oh, your dad was in the ACC and he only saw X number of stadiums. Not true. He saw every stadium you can think of and, and, and got to go there traveling with ACC teams. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, right there in Arkansas, uh, y'all had Danny Ford there for a split second. Uh, broke my heart when I was at Tennessee uh, when Danny Ford had his stint at Arkansas. <laughs> but, but but there's so much Danny Ford in this book because uh, dad was in the ACC in the 80s. And that's when yeah, Clemson was rolling, yeah. man. And uh, as you guys know, Danny Ford's a character of the highest order. And there uh, yes. there's stories in there. Danny, Danny grabbing dad before his first Clemson South Carolina game, accusing two of the other officials of being cheaters. It turns out he might have been right. Uh, <laughs> Danny, Danny Ford having too many beers. Uh, at the, that at the was coach. probably right. Yeah, at <laughs> yeah. the coach's, at the coach's <laughs> clinic. he's trying to he's, He was in dad's hotel room with a bunch of the officials, and he's trying to explain this new rule and how he doesn't like it. And he starts trying to demonstrate it. He had too much to drink and he crashed face first through a coffee table. <laughs> in oh the my table. Gosh. And so that night dad and his longtime roommate and uh, crewmate, Bill Booker, they're laying in bed. And my dad yells over to Bill. He goes, we got going to have to pay for that table. They broke. And about two o'clock in the morning, there was a knock on the door and there was a grad assistant from Clemson. that had a brand new table. He brought the new table in he picked up the pieces of the drunk Danny Ford destroyed table and walked out the door. Never saw him again. So, <laughs> But, but the story with dad, if you've ever wondered what – my dad was a field judge. If you ever wondered what the coach was yelling at the referee, what the referee was yelling back a lot of times, uh, that's a lot of what's in the book. And then my brother and myself – I mean, I had my first sideline credentials when I was 13 years old. And it and, and got run over by a linebacker from the University of North Carolina. And all I could think was this is the coolest job in the history of the world. I'm looking at these photographers and reporters and uh, TV cameras. And I'm like, how do I get to get paid – to go to college football games. and Don't tell anybody, boys, but uh, they pay me to go to games. And so uh, the, the dream happened, and, that, and I'll write about that in the book. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. one thing. Yeah. I can't
1: wait to read that book because, that's, that's, you know, it's like you said. it's You got to write it with your family, and it was about your family. And so it's kind of, you know, it's almost like how many times did you just have to step away from the pen, step away from the computer, gather yourself, you know, cause you know, something like that, it's about your family and your daddy, especially when it comes to sports and fathers, man, that's a, that's, that's a deep, deep subject. So, I mean, I could just imagine how many times you just had to hit the reset button and dive back in.
3: Well, and that's, that's why, you know, you better get it right. Right. I mean, all the stories that my dad and my brother and I have told over the years. And, um, and now I want to make sure I got them all in there. And just to be able to sit with those guys, you know, we, we get so busy. My, my dad was a college president my brother, like I said, is an attorney and, I travel, you know, when, when things are normal, I travel every single week. And so we live about three miles apart. My brother lives directly in between me, my house, and my dad's house. And it's the first time since I was a high school senior. All three of us are living really in the same place at the same time. And we never see each other because we're so busy. So the book was an excuse for six months. I call, hey, guys, we got to get together for the book. <laughs> and that was the best part was getting on YouTube and finding – like the couple of calls that still drive dad crazy. Like he's not sure if he got it or not or, or, or dialing up some of his biggest games on YouTube. And that's just sitting there and having a beer and eating some pizza and, you know, watching dad run up down the field. It's Rose Bowl.
1: So, so speaking of that, so what was your dad's reaction the first time, you know, cause growing up, you know, you didn't have video replay or anything. what was his reaction? The first time you pulled up that YouTube video, the, that a call he missed and you're like, Hey, look, so you got this wrong. What, what oh, was his it. reaction? Oh, we
3: write about it in the book. There, 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 were, there were two okay. calls. There were two calls. one call really in Dad's entire career? Four hundred four games that has always driven him crazy. He his second bowl game. He had uh, uh, it was Ohio State and BYU. This Robbie Bosco was at BYU, and, and Earl Bruce was just taking over Ohio State, and he had them in the Citrus Bowl down in Orlando. So went to Disney World, did the whole thing, and there was a touchdown. A weird, really wacky, broken play, Moscow throwing the ball back across the field against the green, 50 yards, to this receiver from BYU. And keep in mind now, there were only about four or five cameras televising the game. When we got home, all we had was a VHS tape that was, that was grainy as it could be, and Dad was convinced he'd missed that call. My brother and I thought he got it right. But it was very inconclusive watching the replays on the videotape. Well, I tracked down the wide receiver from BYU and uh, who, who scored the touchdown. And uh, there was some question whether or not he cut across the pylon in time or whether he got pushed out before he got there, whether the ball broke the plane. And I, I tracked this guy down. He now works for uh, the church there in Salt Lake. He worked at BYU for years. And I tracked him down, and I said to him, I said, all right, I need you to tell me because this has bugged my dad forever. Did he get your touchdown call Right. And he started laughing, and he texted me a picture. The mouse pad on his desk there at the (laughs) church is of that plate, and him celebrating the touchdown. He said, "So hey, so first of all, I want to tell your dad, he changed my life. To this day, people stop me in the street. Remember when we had that touchdown against Ohio State? He had a coworker from Ohio State that he keeps giving a hard time. But he said, but your dad missed that call. (laughs) He said, but he said, he said, but at the time, with the information that he had, He he got it right, but if there was replay now, and if that game was televised now with forty cameras and HD and all that stuff, uh, it probably wouldn't overturn. But he said, "Man, I'm so thankful he got it wrong." He said because that he said, "I'm still." He goes, "It's been thirty years. I'm still living off that touchdown." (laughs)
2: Ryan, I can really relate, you know, to the book and talk about your brother and your dad. My dad coached for thirty nine years, and my first year coaching, I was the offensive coordinator. He was the line coach. And since he retired, we've got to officiate together now that I went back into media sales. Awesome. So I, I understand that, and we, and we officiate on a crew together. But I saw your picture on Twitter, and I had to ask this. If it's safe for the podcast, what was the joke that your dad told while you were on the sideline? Oh, no. Well, no,
3: I can't repeat the actual joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but what was funny was, was that – so this was the Oklahoma-Florida – um, you know, Bradford and Tebow and Oklahoma had averaged 50-something points a game that year, and Florida yeah. had two. And that game was sloppy. This, this was back – you know, the BCS championship game sometimes was six weeks after the regular yeah. season. And so it was a sloppy game, and the final score was – I mean, it barely broke double digits. And so, yeah, when – you know, they only allow you to be on the sideline for the last few minutes of the game if you're – know from the press box media. So as soon as, as soon as the last three minutes, I'm on the sideline right behind Dad. This is the end of his career. And dad saw me and he immediately said, he goes, I don't believe this game is going to be 55 to 52, do you? And I just started laughing. Well, then he and I start talking. And you know, I'm surrounded by all of the national college football writers. And I realized they're all looking at me like, why are you talking to him? The game is going on. <laughs> and, and then I told his guys, I've been doing this since I was 12. I mean, I've yeah. been standing on the sidelines having that conversation. It's so cool you get to do it with your dad. But you know, you know this, as, as the son of a coach, you learn the game of football in a very different way than anyone else. And when you're the son of, a, of an official, you learn the game differently than anyone else. I mean, my childhood, you know, if they changed the halo rule on, a, on punt returns, my dad would come in with a rule book. Let me explain. He'd come from the rules conference. Let me explain to y'all what the rule is. And he like, he'd get me and my brother and my mom and the dog and an ottoman, and we're all in the den. You know, and he's explaining the, the kick return rule. So that's, that's how I learned football.
0: and right.
3: uh, And that's how you learned it. So I, I always relate the way the, the kids of officials learn football to kids of coaches because, you know, you can be a fan and watch as much football as you want, but it's the end of the day until you've sat and watched film and you've seen the work that goes into it, uh, whether it's an official or a coach, you don't know. You know, it, people just don't understand until they unless they understand.
1: That's right. Yeah, and that's kind of like you can transition that into basketball. And that's another thing. We, you know, watch that 40 minutes of hell and, and yeah. Eddie and just how connected you were with, you know, Arkansas back in the Nolan days and how much yeah. different it is today. Kind of talk about, you know, your, your time covering the Arkansas Razorbacks during the Nolan years and what you got to see and, and the style of play then compared to now.
3: Well, it started as a student. You know, I was a student at Tennessee. And, um, and man, what a time. I mean, I, I was at Tennessee with Allen Houston. Uh, and at LSU, you had Shaq and Stanley Roberts and you know, Mahmoud abdul Rauf, Chris Jackson. Those guys. That's right. And Arkansas was flying up and down the floor. And Kentucky had Mashburn. I mean, it was, what an incredible time! Uh, and oh, by the way, Florida was 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 becoming really good at basketball. So it was yeah, it was a crazy time. It really was. And and I just to to watch those teams, those Arkansas teams, as a fan, usually with my team getting his butt kicked. And then to get to cover those teams, and it just was um, it just was a, it it, it was artistic, and that's what I loved about it. And, and and Coach Richardson, um, the way that he talked about that offense and the way that he talked about his program and that swagger that he had, you know, you got to back that up, man. And he backed it up. And it was just it was revolutionary. It, it just was um, uh, you know, I I I know I know about UNLV and I know about you know. Uh, what the West of the Little Marymount teams and all that stuff were running, but 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 I always felt like the Forty Minutes of Hell was was just a much more refined artistic version of basketball. You know, if you were an old school basketball fan, uh, you turned your nose up at you, what UNLV was doing, and you turned your nose up at the Fab Five, and you turned your nose up at some of these other things. Uh, at least I'm I'm saying a lot of old school basketball fans did. But there was something different about Arkansas because there was still fundamentals in there. That you could relate to, no matter when you played, and so uh, I just, I just, uh, you know, I was. A lot of us were in this situation that we're students at a rival SEC school, but we're rooting for Arkansas <laughs> because <it> was just <laughs> fun, right? It was just fun to watch. Yeah, and it was it all, very
2: exciting. It all changed in night in the the season when Larry Johnson and the Running Rebs came to Barnhill, and he said, "Nolan, you better get you some men." Well. Nolan went out and got those men. Yes, he did. Yeah, and it was great to see because that's when I was 12, 13, 14 years old and getting to get out of class to watch the SEC tournament on Friday because you knew we already had a bye going into Friday. Yep. Were there too many expectations put on Mike Anderson to relive those glory days from Nolan? And there really just wasn't – the transition couldn't happen without those guys and players.
3: Yeah, and and, and I think it's always unfair – you know, i think about all the coaches that come in that were Michigan men or, you know, where I grew up in North Carolina, you know, the the attempt to, if you're going to get a coach, it has to be someone with ties back to Dean Smith or Alabama, you know, it has to be right. a coach that has ties back to Bear Bryant. At some point that tree runs out, you know, and, uh and I just think it's unfair. I, when, especially when it's a beloved former player, a beloved assistant coach and someone to come back and be handed those reins, that's a, that's an awful lot of pressure and, and unless you can one hundred percent replicate the success that they have before, uh, even though it's two completely different eras of the business of college basketball, uh, yeah, I just I, I thought it was unfair. But you know, but if you're him, you have to take the job, right? right. If you're him, if yeah. you're him, you have to do it. I mean, you, you have to you have to give it a shot.
1: Yeah, there's so much pressure because there's only one way that I mean, it yeah. could go well is if it goes well, because if, exactly right. You know, if it goes bad, but I mean, I guess there's a one off because I guess how it ended and they knew it was time with Mike Anderson. I mean, when he come back for the the court recognition and stuff, I mean, he's still got the standing ovation. So, you know, I guess in some cases, you know, he's still beloved, but yet there's still that little bit of that bridge that's burned. But now we got, you know, Eric Musselman here at Arkansas. He's, and it's almost like he's starting to bring that excitement back. And you're talking about it's fun and how is explaining things like Nolan did. So, I guess that's kind of good, and with his recruiting class, they're going to be exciting to watch again.
3: Yeah, it, they are, and it's tough. I mean, I was I was talking to somebody earlier today about you know when Johnny Majors passed away earlier this year, and I wrote a column about him for ESPN.com, and I did a I did a radio interview in Knoxville earlier this week about the book, and one of, there's a lot of Coach Majors in the, in, in the book, um, just because of the impact he had on me. And my dad officiated games in the Big East when he was a pit. But someone asked me about, now that I've had time to digest the fact that Johnny Majors was gone, how do I feel when I look back on the spring? And I said, I feel relieved because um, the departure from Tennessee was so ugly and it always had an asterisk attached to it. But then he had the chance to come back to Knoxville and for people to remember, you know, he should have won the Heisman. And, you know, he knew General Nealand. And he came. He chose to come back to his alma mater when he could have made more money in a different place, and had just won a national championship at Pitt. But he came back because he loved it that much. And there, at the end, he started. You never, heard, you heard no more booze. Like whenever he showed up in an event, it was all cheers. Whenever he showed up for something, it was all about the good times. And so, I'm happy to hear you say that about Mike Anderson because that's what he deserves. I mean, that's a, he, he deserves that. No one's given more to that program than he has. And yeah. You, you, now you have to take that excitement and you also uh, you know you still have high expectations but now maybe it's a little more patience because it's not that guy and yeah. so uh, so I, I'm, I'm really really I'm really really curious to see uh, what they do going forward
2: let's talk a little bit about the Razorback football program of course the Chad Morse experiment four and 20 over two years that's done Famous. Uh, we have yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm,
3: fam- I'm famous <laughs> for that. I'm, I'm, I, I think, I think orange sent me like a picture of a billboard or some sort of marketing material. And I, had, I it's like, you see on a movie poster with like the big quote and the name. And I think my, my quote was something like, you know, my favorite hire of the off season was Chad Morris. And I, and I still love him so much. Right. It, yeah. it just some, sometimes it just doesn't work.
2: Yeah. And it, it just unfortunate, but let's talk about Sam Pittman and, Talking to some of the guys in the program, you can already see that they're getting behind him, and that's just not what it seemed like with Coach Morris. But talk a little bit about what Sam Pittman has brought in a short period of time, not with just the players, but with the staff that he's assembled around him.
3: Well, he's a motivator, I mean, first and foremost. Um, and we had him on Marty McGee uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, I'm always curious to talk to, you know, first-time, big-time head coaches. And when you're an assistant coach and you've been at the highest level and everyone agrees that you're one of the best assistants in the country and destined to be a head coach one day and, uh, and to talk to, at, at the highest level. And, and I asked him the question. I said, what's, you know, what's the biggest challenge, been?" And he said the same thing that all coaches will tell you when they get their first big head coaching job, which is you want it to be all about football. But the reality is you're also a CEO, you're a CFO, you're a sports psychiatrist, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of have to become a lot more acquainted with sports medicine. Uh, you got to worry about that injury report more than just your position group. And uh, you got to worry about politics, you know, particularly at a school like Arkansas, you're the flagship school of the state, which means that one day the governor's going to call, one day the senator's going to call, one day the mayor's going to call, and they all need stuff. Uh, Mac Brown and I had a great conversation about this when he got the job at Texas. And he said that he's, he's headed off for practice one day and a helicopter lands. Like, Coach, you got to go. What do you mean I got to go? And they said, Well, the governor's wife's birthday is tonight and, and you have to make an appearance. And he's like, Tell the governor I'm getting ready for Oklahoma State. Yeah. And they're like, heard that they're story. like, they're like yeah. No, you're not. Your, your butt's getting on the helicopter. That's a Rick Perry This no. That's how this works. Yeah. But, 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 yeah, but, but, but those are the things that, when you take over a particular at an SEC, you know, a power five program. And he admitted, he said, he said the, the biggest challenge has been you're not just worried about your position group or your unit, or even if it's half the team with a defense, you know, now you have to worry about all those things, but man, what a staff. Holy cow. And I tell you another head coach I loved was Barry Odom. And, uh, and I don't, I don't think Barry Odom got a fair shake at Missouri. No, he didn't. Um, but, but, but no. you know what? you're going to be awful happy to have him in the building of Fable. I love that dude. I mean, and and, and to have the experience that he has on that staff um, is, uh, I mean, that's a pretty good mind calling defense and a really good mind calling offense.
1: Well, and I think the, the biggest thing with the Sam Pittman hire that I got from it is, you know, the program was in shambles. So you need somebody with experience, been in the game a long time, and has the connection so you can build that – Foundation. I think that's what Arkansas needs is a foundation. You know, we're not expecting – I know you're going to have some Arkansas fans that will say we want eight, nine wins. I think they want to go to a bowl game every year. Get, set, get a seven, eight, and like Bobby Trino have a few nine, ten wins. Just set that foundation and then let somebody come in, young, upstart, and, and take the program where it needs to go.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. And, and again, you're talking to Tennessee alone. And, and what I've always said was that that's what they needed there you know, which is somebody to just come in and just lay the foundation. You know, I don't don't believe that Jeremy Pruitt will be the head coach of Tennessee for 20 years. But I think that Jeremy Pruitt is 100% capable of laying the foundation to finally get something built, you know, a platform for the future. And Sam Pittman can absolutely be that guy. And he's surrounded by – he's so smart because all that CEO stuff that you're talking about. Well, you got Barry Odom right, right next door. Coach, you know, just a few years ago when you were in this position, what would you do about so-and-so? I mean, it's, it's, it's not just coaches in the building. It's coaches with experience and, uh, and coaches with, you know, experience at the highest level. So, yeah, it's just – you're exactly right. It, it's building the foundation. I don't know if Sam Pittman is the guy that's going to win you a national championship. I don't know if he's going the guy that's going to win the SEC West. But I think he's the guy that can 100% get you into a position where you can be in that conversation again. Uh, where you haven't been in a long time. The problem is, you got to get through September, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he got to get yeah. to Halloween first, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then worry about all that. But it's a, uh, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Well,
1: just the programs at, at Arkansas in a whole. It's like they're just missing football, you know, because you got that's the it. basketball team excited, you know, that's women's it. basketball, the baseball team, baseball done right? It, you know, yeah, yeah. I think one if they got that trifecta, Arkansas could be one of them overall elite programs in the nation, not just in the SEC. But if you get that if – I've told the guys on the show and I've told other people, if you get the football program where they're winning seven, eight games a year, sometimes nine, they're going to be one of the best overall programs in the nation when it comes to the big three.
3: Yeah, and there aren't a lot of schools that pull that off at
1: right. all.
3: You know, I think about Stanford. And I think about, you know, Michigan. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to you – know, uh, Texas. Florida, you know, Texas, yeah. Florida was there for a long time. You know, I, I there's, but, but, but it, that's a, that's a single digit conversation about schools that are great across all the major programs. And so, yeah, you're right. It's the only piece that's missing and it sounds really yeah, simple. i to I've seen something
1: on Fox sports. They, they had a, a graphic up of teams that won a basketball men's national championship and a football national championship. And it was probably seven or eight, you know, there wasn't that's that many it. up there.
3: No, that's it and and it's and and you know you can do it you have the banners um and there's no excuses to not do it cuz it's been done before so so yeah if you get the right people in there and the people that don't don't believe in excuses and Sam peters is not a guy that believes in excuses Yeah. So our
1: buddy Zach Arn said that, you know, you had a conversation, you talked to the touchdown club and he wanted me to ask you and all he told me was Vandy Whistler. So (laughs) I'm going to leave the floor with that and and see where this goes.
3: So, all right. So I think this is what he's talking about. I I go to the college world series almost every year. Um, I was okay during quarantine until we got to father's day weekend and I was not in Omaha. That, that that one, that one, that's the first time I was like, man. But the uh, – my, my family just knew just to ignore me that weekend. Uh, you <laughs> talk about books. My first book was about the College World Series way back when. And, yeah. uh, uh, 11 years ago. But, yeah, so the Vandy Whistler, um, I was very critical of the Vandy Whistler on Twitter um, when Vandy was social media or whatever. And so uh, I get out to Omaha and I've got a note um, – that uh, someone wants to see me when I get a chance I'm at the I'm staying at the team hotel at Vanderbilt that's all I know I got to know from people at Vanderbilt hey could you meet me
1: downstairs I get downstairs I
3: get downstairs there he is I'm like <laughs> hey man I'm like I'm like what's going on he goes do we need to have a talk I'm like yeah I go we definitely need to have a talk and then we, but we and, and we joked but I just told him I said but you I said you, I said, you have to understand I said I said I think for people who just watch the College World Series or Super Regionals or whatever, they're like, hey, what is that? I go, for those of us who watch 25 Vanderbilt baseball games on the SEC Network and then watch the, the Regionals and the SEC Tournament or whatever, I said, after a while it gets to be a little much. And I go, and I can hear you from, from Charlotte. I said, if I just walk outside, <laughs> I can hear it. And, and he he looked right at me he goes, then I'm doing my job, McGee. I'm like, yeah, okay. But, Yeah. But what I, I but I, I'm convinced that if we ever uh, if we ever needed to get any like critical information out of some captured spy like down in Guantanamo Bay, uh, <laughs> if we we put the Vandy Whistler in the room with him, uh, he'd give up all these information in about four minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Well, man, well, man we kind of we kind of ended on a couple of topics. Uh, your your mainstay of what I love about the show is the hillbilly headlines. Um, course my high school mascot is a hillbilly right so one i, I really would love you and you and marty your honorary lifetime hillbilly fans i want y'all I'm to in. come to an ozark hillbilly football game I'm so in. i have sent you in the mail it should be returning getting there sometime soon an ozark hillbilly helmet and an ozark hillbilly shirt
3: so they will be, but, they will, that, that helmet will be on the set. I can promise oh you. Oh, my that. gosh. That's, that's going to be awesome. so cool. Yep.
1: But <laughs> another thing is, you know, we got we got us guys who do content creators, but yet we all look up to the big guys at ESPN. But I kind of wanted to make it personal a little bit because back in March, my mom passed away. And uh, I remember I tweeted at Christina. I said, man, said I would love to hear he stopped loving her today. By George Jones, and you 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 text it out, but you don't it don't really resonate. But man, when y'all gave me the shout out and played that song at the end of your episode, I want you to know that regular fans, regular people that that tweet in, that connect with y'all, that means the world, and it meant a lot to me. Like I literally had to pull off the interstate on my way to work, gather myself, and then get back to work. But I really appreciated that you did that because that was. That, that was an awesome moment for me, one of my all-time – it made me a fan of your show for life.
3: Well, and I, I remember that moment. I remember it like it was yesterday. And, uh, and, and, you know, um, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you about the book. I mean, listen, uh, th- this book is dedicated to my mother. And we lost my mother very unexpectedly 21 years ago. Feels like it happened two hours ago. And, um, and, and why do we love sports? We love sports because it gives us connections, right? You you will always have a connection with us because of that moment that we had with your mother. And, you know, Nana Lynn that you hear at the top of every show, Marty McGee, you know, uh, this is Nana Lynn is Marty and McGee. That's my mother-in-law. She passed away a year and a half ago. And, and I will not, I refuse to let them take her voice down off that show because it makes me smile. It makes me smile. It makes me cry every single Saturday morning when I hear it. Yep. And, and in this book, we write about the fact that um, you know, we call it sidelines of bloodlines for a reason. Because football, and it's true for you guys just like it's true for the McGee's, is part, such a part of our life that it, it gives you memories but also gets you through the bad memories. And when my mother passed away so unexpectedly, that spring was so terrible and that summer was so terrible. But you know when it finally started feeling somewhat normal again was that fall when dad got back to football games and he got back on sidelines and he got hugged around the neck and, and guys uh, you know, dedicated games to my mom. And that's, that's how that's football saved his life that fall. And uh, so, yeah, man, listen, I, I, that meant a lot to me that you would even ask us to do that. And I'm glad it meant so much to you. That was one of my all time favorite Marty, Marty McGee moments. Oh yeah.
1: It's, it, it's the thing you just, you, cause you don't expect it because you know, people that tweet in, you know, they're like, oh, that's big ESPN. They For y'all to do it. But that's what I love about your show. Yeah. You make you it have real. these guys on. You go down these 10-minute rabbit holes about oatmeal cereal and <laughs> neck from Alabama. I mean, all of these guests. I mean, when you walk away from the show, you're going to have all those memories. And I think I can speak for all of your fans and saying that's what sets your show apart. And that's what will make your show be as successful as because you connect with the regular people. You don't have an agenda. You want to come out on a Saturday morning with your coffee and, and talk about sports and, and the love of the game. So I really appreciate that.
3: Yes, sir. When lo- love a family. I mean, you know, Marty's yes. book, never subtle. You know, it, there's so much in there about his daddy and his mama who both are gone. And, uh, and it's just, um, yeah, it, listen, it's, uh, that's, I, I love hearing you say that. I love hearing people say that because, um, uh, our, our whole goal is just to let's just hang out and have a good time. And listen, and when, when, when it's a tough time and when the topic is tough, whether there's a coronavirus or whether it's social justice or whatever, we're going to talk about it. And, and you know, one of our very first podcasts was the day Stu Scott passed away. And, and it was a friend of mine from my first day at ESPN. And, and so we'll, we, will, we will absolutely tackle the tough stuff. But our main goal is let's have a good time. And uh, and that's uh, I'm so glad to hear you all say that you do.
1: Yes, sir. Well, well, that will do it, Ryan. Thank you so much for being on the show, taking the time to to be on with us, man. It was such a pleasure, such an honor to to get to talk with you. And man, it was it was really cool just to to be with you and talk some Arkansas sports with you.
3: Hey, man, anytime. And uh, yeah, sidelines and bloodlines, get it now wherever you buy your books. And yeah, uh, I'll, I'll make wait. a deal. I'll, I'll make a deal with you. You'll buy a couple books, and I will guarantee. You that Ozark hillbillies uh, helmets will be sitting out there on that set as soon as we get
1: it. I, I'm going to definitely go to. I'm going to get a book tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Hey, yes, I appreciate thank it, boys. all the best. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Thanks Ryan. Sir.
1: Well, that will do it for an episode 120 of the Hog Talk podcast. For Kevin, myself, and our special guest, Ryan McGee. Thank you for tuning in and go hogs.